WBT Productions presents Hoshruba, Episode 6 Water Magic and Queen Adara, Part 1. Physical exertion was not something Dak was used to in his role as Luca's apprentice. He was taxed to the point of exhaustion. Even worse, extreme anxiety had taken root inside him and grew worse with every step. He could die today, he thought. One mistake and... But this would not, could not deter him. His was a task most holy. More so than that, Luca's disappointment was something he feared more than death itself. He resumed his descent down the precipice, his meager supplies strapped tightly against his side. He was thirsty, but it would wait. All he had to do was finish his cautious journey into the valley below. After that, he would have his fill of food and drink before continuing into the hell that was the dark forest. But that was a concern for later. For now, he would have to... A rock slid out from under his foot, and he could feel himself start to tumble. He reached out in instinct for something, anything to grab, that would break his fall. His hand clamped down upon another rock, this time a solid hold, and his rapid descent immediately halted. He screamed as the weight of his body tore at his shoulder. The pain ripped through his torso. The shoulder had not been dislocated from its socket, but pain is still pain, and Dak, in his suffering, found that fact to be of little comfort. He sucked in several hard breaths before he was able to calm himself enough to continue. He was mindful of his strained shoulder as he pulled himself inch by inch back to his previous position. His legs quivered as he knelt, finally on level ground, then splayed out flat upon the ground. He would rest here, he decided. It would not do any good to kill himself on the first day of his journey. Luca would never forgive him. King Batras Wise grasped the jeweled ebony hilt of his blade. At first, it felt unfamiliar, as he had not engaged in physical combat in years. Upon drawing forth the weapon and holding it before him, though, the memories came flooding back. His battles, though few, were glorious. But now was not the time to reminisce, for before him stood a beast of obscene proportions. And it was very, very hungry. The creature towered over the king by at least another man's full height, not counting the length of his tail. However, its size was probably the least of his concerns. What King Batras Wise feared the most 
was its massive jaw that opened to expose rows upon rows of jagged fangs. A gelatinous drool oozed over thick black lips, adding to the fear and disgust within the king's breast. A pair of bloodshot eyes had fixed themselves upon him. The beast was, in truth, a thing of nightmares. King Batras Wise made his move on the beast, his small blade cocked back over his shoulder. The thing was ready and countered the move as its claws shot out at him head on. King Batras Wise proved quicker as he sliced downward, the blade slashing deeply into the creature's enormous paw. He quickly withdrew the blade, then backed away, expecting a bellow of rage from the bleeding beast. Instead, the creature raised its wounded appendage before it. It inspected it from one side, then the other. Then, even though such a wound should have caused a fair amount of pain, the creature seemed to laugh. At least, the guttural sound resembled a laugh. The king's fear transformed then into anger. He readied himself for a second attack, but this time, the beast was quicker. Its long tail suddenly whipped forward, slamming the king across the chest. Instantly, all breath left his lungs as he was catapulted back into the far wall. He struck it with such a force that, for a moment, all thought was torn from his mind. At least all except for the pain. That was well kept, and only the pain remained. The creature shifted forward, not even attempting to rush. It knew its opponent was weakened, left for the taking. King Batras Wise lifted his head, his mind still foggy with confusion, and he could do no more than offer a blank stare as the creature's gaping mouth descended on him, ready to engulf him. The command came from behind him. In an instant, the beast dissipated into a mist that rained down onto the stone. King Batras stared at the empty space where the beast had been, then slowly turned his head to the figure standing just over his shoulder. The creature had been nothing more than an illusion conjured by the king. His daughter, Princess Bedisa, stood over him. She glared at him with anger and a hint of fear. She approached her father, dropping to one knee. That thing! It wasn't real. The king completed her sentence as he began to rise. She attempted to steady him, but he brushed her away. It couldn't have caused more than the most minor of injuries. I needed to test myself. But at your... Her words fell short. She closed her eyes, cursing herself. King Batras was now upon his feet. He glared down at his daughter. As I said, I needed to test myself for the coming days. You needed to test your ego, you mean. Silence fell over them. The king turned away. Are you ready to continue your education? He turned back as the princess nodded. Now was not the time for dispute. Now was the time to learn. Then Luca waits for you.
In Hoshrubat, it was once determined that each wizard was born one of three. Hoshrubians, the master of water-based magic. The Rubahali, masters of spells born of fire. And the Forgotten Ones, masters over earthen magic. This final group was the least fortunate of the three. They existed as little more than beasts, having been banished to the forest due to perceived malformation in either body or spirit. The former was self-evident by even the most casual glance. As for the second, this was determined by the ruling class of Hashruba, the people's faith in their judgment being its only proof. In the early years of Hashruba, before the time in which such impurities in both shape and spirit were bred out of her population, the governing class of Hashruba had to determine the fate of these unfortunate creatures. The cardinal law against the slaying of any Hashrubian-born person was maintained, though there was no place for these misfits to thrive within the wizard-led kingdom. Nor would they survive in the harsh environment of the Ruba Khali, or the intolerance of the human lands. The only logical solution was relocation, making a new home for them within the dark forest. This was a place of mystery, left unoccupied by most intelligent living creatures. A dense forest of old growth trees, coupled with mysterious, ensnaring foliage that would confound even the most skillful of human trackers. Within its center ran the river, which spanned the length of the region. Food and water were abundant. Here, they would be given the chance to either survive or perish. If the former, then all the better. If the latter, well, at least the outcome could not be blamed on those behind Hashruba's walls. One good thing came from all this, however. The dark forest was the ideal location for their particular strain of magic to thrive. The Forgotten One's powers strengthened the earth, which in turn gave life to the forest in a symbiotic relationship. Still, it was not an easy life, and many died at first. But this simple life was their own, uninterrupted by either mortal or immortal interference for generations. There, of course, was to be the occasional visitor, but those who dared enter the depths of these woods rarely left with their lives. It had been quiet inside the camp of Abu Talib for the last few days. There were no raids planned, no enemies to plot against. The camp had relocated twice since Cass returned from his mysterious journey, and although it was not stated, Zeba knew the other men feared him. Not Cass exactly, but what they knew of his experience, and even more so, what they did not. But being feared in this camp did not necessarily mean power, at least with the exception of Abu Talib. Rather, to be feared often meant that death was to follow. 
Ziba stared out the window into the lush forest that stood just out of reach from the camp. It offered an escape route should they require one, but mostly it was a place that felt comforting, something Ziba had not felt in some time. Minu had risen from her resting place and began to move toward the blackened cooking pot that housed that Eve's dinner. Mother! Minu froze as Ziba hurried to her side, then led her back to her sickbed. <coughs> Granted, her illness, born from a defect of the heart, was slight, but Ziba had adopted her mother's rabid concern for her family's well-being. In another life... She may have even had a family of her own by now, but given their current circumstances, Ziba could not entertain such thoughts. She tucked her mother back into bed, then went back to tend to the stew. I told you, today is yours to recuperate. She spoke in a playfully stern manner, hoping to mask any hint of worry in her voice. She may have well attempted to halt the desert winds. This is nothing. <coughs> I'm strong enough. <coughs> she started coughing, her eyes closed to weather the attack. In an instant, Zeba was back at her side. She snatched up a damp cloth and placed it upon her mother's forehead. Are you... The coughing finally gave way to a weak smile. I'm fine. She took her daughter's hands. It is, as you say, a time to rest <coughs> in order to relieve this cough. cough. <coughs> the smile faded a bit, as if she knew the cough was only a symptom of something worse. Where is your brother? <coughs> Zeba's gaze turned back to the forest. Training. She could almost see him now his face riddled with an inner pain that his sword could not defend against. Still... Minu removed the cloth. In the wood. Ziba bowed her head, fearing to meet her mother's eyes. Yes. Silence held between them before Minu took her daughter's hand. <laughs> I fear for him. Minu spoke under her breath. Not what these men might do to him, but what he may do to himself. Ziba looked into her mother's eyes. I know. Something has him. Something foreign in design. Speak to him, Ziba. Two of you always keep each other's confidence. He must know he does not face whatever it is alone. Shouldn't father be the one? Unless it has something to do with her to hold a sword or choose a wife. I'm afraid... This is beyond your father's understanding. <laughs> A slight laugh came from her lips. 
Zeba smiled as she began to stroke her mother's hair. For a moment, for the first time in a long while, Zeba felt safe. For no matter what may come, at least they would have each other. On the next episode... Adara examined the wound upon her forearm, the only spot that had been seared by the Jin's fire. I can barely feel it. Must be all the excitement. She smiled as she began to move toward the fiery vortex. You won't touch me again. The creature opened a mouth, revealing no more than a void black as pitch. She whispered. It had neither the speed nor cunning to dodge her attack. A hideous screech emanated from its maw. Badisa strained under the force of the spell as Luca looked on from the opposite side of the room. Focus, Badisa. Narrow the stream. Make it like a thread about to be put through the eye of a needle. Can you feel it? <laughs> The narrow line of water thrust forward, tearing a hole into the wall opposite. The stream then faded. Very nice. See, it, it was like the wall wasn't the wall. It was like something living, an enemy. A single pool of water, smooth as glass. Kopala's body emerged from the water. He pulled himself free from the water and crashed onto the stone floor. The king must know war was coming. His conversation in the dark forest indicated as much. The Winjados, he thought. The elite of Hashrubian military might. They were the masters of Hashrubian magic. United, they would halt any threat that rose against Hashruba and her people. But first, he had to find them. This has been Hoshruba, Episode 6, Water Magic and Queen Adara, Part 1, created by WBT Productions, written by Brent Beebe, produced by Farouk Shah Khan, directed by Elia Rep Hernandez, sound mixer and sound editor Andrew Jordan, sound recordist Jensen Young, sound mixer, post-sound, and sound editor for credits Sophie Huang. Narrated by Darren Johnson. Voiceover artists. Jonathan Lacosto as Doc. Robin Shield as King Betraz. Brenda Yanez as Princess Bedisa. Madison Lippi as Zeba. Manaz Fashandi as Minu. Credits voice by Steve Gray. Stay tuned for Hoshruba Episode 6. Water Magic and Queen Adara. Part 2.